Hello, I'm Dr. Gloria Horsley. And I'm her daughter, Dr. Heidi Horsley. Heidi and I want to welcome you to Open to Hope Conversations, the podcast. We believe that the greatest gift you can give yourself after a loss is hope, using this moment to connect with others who have not only survived, but thrived. So let's get started. Welcome to the Open to Hope show. I'm your host, Dr. Gloria Horsley, with my daughter and co-host, Dr. Heidi Horsley. Well, Heidi, we are going to talk today about dealing with grief on a daily basis. And I think this is important because with grief and loss, it's a day-to-day thing, isn't it? Yes, and sometimes it's hour to hour. Right, exactly, hour to hour. So introduce our guest today because she has got some great thoughts on how you can get through those days. Okay, Mom, so we're going to be talking today, as you said, on dealing with grief on a daily basis. And our guest is Sharon Ellers. And Sharon is no stranger to grief and loss. She lost her best friend and former fiance to suicide. And just four years ago, her dad died. She is the founder of Grief Reiki, an award-winning author, a grief educator, and a death midwife. Welcome to the show, Sharon. Oh, thank you so much to both of you for having me. Yeah, it's, it's great to have you on. And get, give us your take on grief and loss. What is your thought about it? Well, I think if you'd have asked me maybe about eight, 10 years ago, I would have had a very different idea than what I have today. And um, I think I would have probably said, you know, you'll get through it. You just need to be strong and have a stiff upper lip and kind of it'll all fall into place. And I realized after the death of my best friend that that does not work at all. Um, I'm an engineer by trade, so I tend to be a little bit more cerebral. And I thought, well, I'll just read it. You know, if I read about it, then it'll just fix itself. And I think um, suffering through those losses, I realized that it is not like that at all. It is a day-to-day, hour-to-hour, sometimes minute-to-minute kind of thing. And you can't be in your head about it. You have to feel it. And um, that was really difficult to do, is to feel those emotions and allow yourself to be vulnerable, to allow what I say, your body to actually weep, right? To weep and let those emotions out. Um, Ooh, I love what you just said, vulnerable. Wow, that's the word I think it is, allowing yourself to be vulnerable. Does that resonate with you, Heidi? Absolutely, yes. And I think that when, other, when there's other stress in your life, it really triggers waves of emotions. You know, and you're like, I wish, you know, my dad was here or whoever died was here. So yeah, it is, it's a very vulnerable feeling to be grieving. Mm-hmm. So, so tell us, what about that vulnerability, Sharon? How do we deal with that? Well, I think the, the most important part, at least from what I've learned and what I've, I've been trying to help other people do is to recognize that it's okay to feel that way. It's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay to be on that roller coaster, you know, we're in our typical work environments where we try to, you know, be strong and have that stiff upper lip every day. And I went for two years working, I don't even know how many hours my boss said I worked to try to get through it and Mm -hmm. not be vulnerable and not have Mm -hmm. a, you know, not be that person and have all those emotions that I was feeling. And I think when you realize that the only way that you can move through each minute, each hour, each day, it's to let whatever you're feeling be present with you, you know, hold space for it. You know, if you feel like crying, allow yourself to cry. If you feel like screaming, if you feel like going in into your bedroom and putting, you know, the covers over your head and just respecting that that's where you're 
at each moment during your grief journey, I think that's the most important thing because we tend to fight it, right? We, we fight it like, oh, I've got to be strong. I can't cry. I can't let anybody know that I'm having a tough time. And, and in reality, you know, the human thing to do is to allow that wall to come down and just be where you are at that moment and allow yourself to feel what you're feeling. I think that's important. So you talk about three areas, physical, emotional, and uh, spiritual, right? Yes. Uh, what? I'm having that vulnerability what can I do what you know and it, and it's too much for me I mean I've done enough I can't sit around with a blanket over my head all day right well I think you need to find those things that work for you and because everybody grieves differently because everybody's loss is experienced in in a way that's unique to them you have to find what works for you and for me I, like I said earlier, what I did is I started out by reading, you know, trying to be um, educated and, and, and cerebral and, and found that that didn't work. Um, it's when you let down your guard and you look at it, not only from an emotional perspective, right? Like, how am I feeling at this moment? That's okay. I'm allowed to feel that way. From a physical perspective, you know, how is, how are you holding on to the grief? So it starts to manifest in your body. I know when John died, who was my former fiance, I literally felt like my heart was going to break. And I thought, you know, I am going to have a heart attack. Literally, I ended up in a cardiologist's office mm -hmm. saying that I felt like my chest was going to just explode. And she checked me and she said, everything is fine. Um, so obviously I was holding on to the grief physically. So understanding how the emotions affect your body and the things that you can do, whether it's getting outside and walking. I'm a Reiki practitioner. I found that practicing Reiki on myself, you know, a couple times a day was very helpful. Um, breathing, that's another big thing. We tend to hold our breath, you know, physically when things are tough and we, we tend to grit our teeth and hold on to it. But taking the time to sort of, um, you know, put yourself in a place of peace. And then I think spiritually, we struggle with, you know, how grief affects us spiritually. And for some folks, they shut down and that's normal. Um, I found that I gravitated more to looking for things that, especially with my dad, my dad is very active from the other side. He sends so many messages all the time. Like I was sitting in the backyard after cleaning the garage one day and a lot of it was his stuff. And I just looked up at the sky and started crying. And I swear it within minutes, there was this beautifully heart-shaped cloud in this uh. blue sky that just appeared out of nowhere. And I found comfort in that. So I think keeping your mind open to the spiritual side of things is very important as well. I got my, I think my greatest piece in noticing those little things, the lights flickering or whatever it was, and knowing that my dad was still around. I think that brought me a bigger sense of comfort um, and really helped me to heal moving forward. So paying attention to the emotional, physical, and spiritual, I think is very important as, you know, as an integrated. And being uh, open to the signs. I wanted to backtrack a little bit because you said that you did Reiki on yourself. Now I'm not a Reiki person. I don't, I don't know that much about it. My mom is a Reiki master also. So you both understand what that means, but how would you do Reiki on yourself? I don't know what that would look like. I think for people who haven't gone through the classes and taking Reiki, it's very simple, right? And it's all about the fact that the energy in our body needs to be moving freely. If it doesn't, if it gets stuck, you know, we get stuck and the body can manifest. And the biggest place 
where it tends to get stuck, especially for grievers, is in the heart area, heart and lungs area. You see grievers with a lot of, you know, chest pains or um, bronchitis or, you know, lung problems. And so you don't have to have taken any kind of Reiki classes. All you have to do is take your hands and just place them over your heart. Oh, I love that. You know, and just allow your heart. I used to do this at work. I would escape from my desk and go into the ladies' room and just sit there and just kind of you know, just feel your heart, you know, and send it love. I mean, it, it's, it's no bigger than that. It's something that's very simple to do. And I made sure that I stopped during the day and just did something very simple to kind of bring myself back to, you know, being in touch with my body and just sending all the love and energy that I had, you know, to help me keep myself balanced. I know one of the things that you say too, is that you, you've got to take action. I mean, you, you have to do what works for you, but in order to find what works for you, you have to take action, right? Exactly. I spent two years of not doing anything, not taking any action, trying to think my way through it, trying not to feel anything. And I ended up taking a class, the grief recovery method. Um, I ended up taking that class and it just burst open all of these things for me. And after that, I thought, you know, I can be stuck in my grief forever. I mean, and I really don't want to do that. I was in a suicide survivor's um, group after John died. And there was a woman in there who had been going to support groups for 25 years. And I'm not saying that that's wrong, but I know in my own mind, I thought, I don't want to be doing this for 25 more years. There's got to be something that I can do. No matter what that is, it doesn't have to be some big flamboyant thing like writing a book and can be just as simple as taking time for yourself every day and putting your hands over your heart or going for a walk. Um, I found that if I got outside, nature was very healing. And maybe it's just walking to the end of your driveway, right? At first and then next going to the end of your block and then maybe going around the block. So taking baby steps and just finding those things that bring you a sense of peace, I think is very important. Otherwise you get stuck, right? You get stuck and um, you, need to, you need to consciously want to take the action to feel better and it, it takes, takes time for sure. Now, Sharon, I know that you went on a grief cruise last year before COVID, right? Yes, um, I did. What did that do for you? Oh, it was amazing. You know, it, we were speakers, but we were also present because we had significant losses in our own lives and being in, well, I'd never been on a cruise. So that was the first time for me. And I loved it. I mean, the well, there you go again, doing something different. I love it. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And I think being with other people who are going through the same thing was very, very healing. Um, we had a gentleman who had just lost his wife and his daughters had said, you know, you're going on the cruise, dad. And he's like, I don't want to be here. I'm too sad. And just holding space with him um, he was so thankful that he had gone, right? Like he was so thankful that we were able to share those emotions with each other and validate that they were normal, you know? And when you hear that other people are going through things that you think maybe you're the only one, um, having somebody else say, well, you know what? I felt that way too, kind of makes you feel less alone. And so it was a beautiful experience. We had a memorial at the very end. Yeah. Um, it was just a really beautiful experience in a beautiful location. You know, this this brings up peer-to-peer -peer support. Do you want to talk about that a little bit, Heidi? I'm actually having some peer-to-peer -peer support right now. I have a counselor from um, 
uh, CARA, which is our organization in Palo Alto, California. And he meets with me uh, for an hour once a week. And it, it's great. And he's uh, like me, he's a bereaved parent and a, a bereaved uh, spouse. So it, it's really, CARA has gotten a very good match. But how do you talk about peer-to-peer -peer support? I think people really need to know about that. Well, I mean, like Sharon said, being with other people that have had a loss is really healing. And I mean, the compassionate friends, you know, has been really important for me because I'm around other brief siblings. So they understand what it's like to have the death of a sibling, you know, and now I'm starting to reach out because my dad has just died to other people like Sharon that have had fathers die because they, that's unique in and of itself too. So yes, I think just, I think what peer, peer to peer support does is it normalizes what you're going through. Sometimes you think it's not normal. Am I going crazy? Is something wrong with me? And when you're with other people, they're saying, no, I've had, I've experienced the same thing. You know, this is a normal thing. When Sharon's talking about signs, I loved it from her father because we are getting a lot, I'm getting a lot of signs from my father. My mom's getting a really lot of signs from her husband. And you know, you're normalizing that for us. It's like, yes, other people get signs. Mm -hmm. So I think that, you know, I feel like people understand and I love the idea of the cruise because you can have fun and you're doing, you're doing ritualistic things and people can also understand what you're going through without even talking about it. Just being in a room with other people that have had this, you know, losses is healing. Mm -hmm. So uh, I also wanted, Sharon, uh, could you talk a little bit about uh, what's a death midwife? I read about it mm -hmm. and I actually think it is very needed and quite amazing. So I wanted you to explain, be, having my husband just pass away, I understand how important it is to have advocates. So talk about that, will you? So it's interesting. Um, death midwife is somebody who helps people prior to death for, from a planning perspective, right? Getting all their affairs in order, determining what their, um, you know, there's a health directive, but there's also a death directive. Like, what do I want when I die? How do I want to die? When do I feel like it's time um, for me to, you know, stop medication or whatever? And then post-death. So it's, prior death, during death, and then post-death, helping the family, not only with grief work, but also with, um, you know, funeral preparations. The, the group that I was trained with does home funerals, you know, being a home uh, celebrant uh, funeral director, you can do all of these things. And the reason I took the class is I was with my dad for a month in the hospital before he died. I watched what he went through and I didn't understand it, right? Like some of it I thought I understood, some of it I didn't. And so afterwards, I took the death midwife uh, certification to better understand death and see if there was other things I could have done. I mean, we kind of go back and do the woulda, shoulda, couldas, but it, it brought me a sense of peace because I understood more about what somebody goes through when they're dying. And I felt less helpless, right? Like I felt less helpless. Like I could have done this. I could have done that. Now moving forward, I live with my mom. She's 87. Um, we've talked about death more. We've talked about what would you like? Where, you know, where do you want me to stop? You know, stop, right? Like stop the doctors coming in, stop the medication, stop the fluids, whatever. And so we've had those conversations. So it's not as scary um, moving into that, not only for myself, because I have my death file, right? Where all my paperwork is. We couldn't find things after my dad died. We thought he had it all neat and organized and it wasn't so much. Um, so this has given me an opportunity not only to be more prepared for my mom, 
um, but also to be prepared for myself, right? So that I leave my kids, I have three children, I leave my children um, a legacy of clear guidance about what I would like and what I don't want, right? When I get to a point where it's time for me to go. So I really did it as a result of my dad, mm -hmm. um, but then I found it to be so empowering and just so helpful that I would love to be there for other people you know, as well, so that they aren't afraid and that they have things in order and that I, you know, they're able to communicate to me, this is what I want, right? Like, I don't want to eat after a certain point. Like, that's okay, right? Put it down so that the family knows so there's no squabbling or, or, um, you know, difference of opinions. Well, well, also, I would think, Sharon, if your mom is directing these things, you're not going to feel as guilty. Exactly. Because it's, she's the one that wanted you to do it. So if it's, she's saying, okay, I don't want to eat after a certain time, it would be hard for me as a child not to, to stop feeding my parents, you know? But if, if it was if it been my dad's directive, then it would, I'd be saying, well, he's the one that wanted it. Yeah. So Correct. I like that idea. It takes some of the guilt away. Do you, know, do you know one thing that really comes up for me, Heidi, is that Sharon is again taking the, the step, taking the risk, finding another activity, finding another place to take the loss energy. And that's an area that works for you to become a death midwife and, and being able to take that risk of finding different alternatives. I, uh, after my son died, I had a long journey. I studied the Enneagram and uh, did the work of Byron Katie. And uh, there's so many different ways people can go. Some people write books, you know, some people, write music, you know, uh, I don't know. What are some other things, Heidi, that you have seen people do? Uh, they, they change their grief, they change their career trajectory. Mm -hmm. I mean, I was uh, in fashion merchandising when my brother died, you know, I was only 20 and I'm, I'm a psychologist today that specializes in traumatic loss. I mean, that's a hundred percent because he died. So yes, I mean, and like you said, they study different things. They get involved in peer support groups, they give back. I think once we give back and we're of service, like you were sharing on the cruise, I mean, that's when your healing really begins and you, you take a different role when you're in these peer-to-peer -peer support, you know, all of a sudden you're, you're giving back and, and letting other people hold on to you because you're further down the, the road in your journey. Mm -hmm. Well, Sharon, could you tell people how to get a hold of you? And I know they're gonna wanna get a hold of you to hear about your deaf midwifery, to hear about your Reiki. I know you do online things. As for me, I'm at grief and it's hyphen Reiki.com. Um, there's information on there about how to call me or how to send me an email. I would be happy to, to chat with folks. You know, you, you realize how much you've been through and how much um, you can help other people. And, and that's really why I'm here as well. I'm not at doing my cyber engineering I'm, I'm trying to focus on helping folks and, and now's a good time to do it so now do you have a website i do it's www.grief-reiki.com okay great well sharon thank you so much for being on the show today and sharing all this wonderful information with our guests i appreciate it thank you for having me it's it's uh, it's a it's an honor i i'm gonna second what my mom said thank you for everything that you're doing to offer hope again for people that have had a loss and I want to thank everybody for joining us today. And Heidi and I always want to remind you that if you've lost hope, please lean on ours until you find your own. And God bless. I'm Dr. Heidi Horsley. You have been listening to Open to Hope, the podcast. You can follow Open to Hope on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. To learn more, visit us at opentohope.com 
and go to Apple Podcasts to subscribe. I'm Dr. Gloria Horsley. Join us again next week for another Open to Hope conversation, where we invite you to lean on our hope until you find your own.